My special guest today is a phenomenal actor who for over a decade played one of the most popular characters in the Bills' rich history. More recently, he's been back in a police car in pursuit of a BAFTA nomination and also claimed a unique place in TV history. Andrew Paul, welcome to the Bill Podcast. My pleasure to be here. <laughs> now, I'd like to kick off with your unique claim to history, which I guess you know what this is, I can, I can well, tell. Well, I remember we exchanged tweets about this. Uh, <laughs> I think it's... I'm one of the few actors that have appeared in Morse, Lewis, and Endeavour. You are the only actor. Oh, am I? You oh, are, I the, thought, you I are thought, the first and only actor. Oh, I thought there were. I thought there were. I thought there was another actor. No. Oh, okay. Oh well. No. I'm, I'm That's delighted quite to cool, hear that. isn't it? <laughs> Did you know that when you were when you were about to go into Endeavour? Did you know no, that? No. I mean, I know mean, we exchanged a, a tweet, but yeah. um, obviously I'd forgotten it by the time I actually ended up <laughs> doing Endeavour. It was brought to my attention, I think, by someone in the production team yeah. at the time. That's pretty cool. A, a unique claim to sort of minor fame. Yeah. <laughs> and what was it like working on Endeavour and how do you feel? I mean, Sean's done an amazing job at recreating yeah. Morse. What was yeah. it like for you to, to have worked with both Morses? As it well, I think the, the, the thing is that whilst the gap in time from doing Morse to Endeavour is huge, there's the same flavour of both series, so uh, wow. that, that was quite. I think I've done a really good job, and uh, I mean, it's not easy to sort of do a prequel before no. you know a, a major television character was introduced to the public. But I think they've done a great job, and he's mm. done a, a fantastic job. Yeah. Do you think they could ever do that with the bill? Uh, I doubt that very much. Yeah? Uh, I, I think it's such a, a, a huge rambling series. I don't know. I mean, they might. They maybe they could do it with somebody like the Burnside character, Chris Ellison's mm. character, but I don't think so. I don't no. think so. And you were no stranger to working with John Paul because one of your earliest roles was in the Sweeney. That's right. Yeah. In the last episode of the Sweeney, actually. Was it? Was it the last episode? Yeah. Oh, you've done your research. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Somebody tweeted me a photograph of that a couple of months ago, and yeah. it's just—it's always shocking when you sort of faced with yourself. Sort of over, yes, 40 years ago. Yeah, over 40 yeah, years ago. Yeah, that's nuts. Wow. <laughs> that's one of the problems of being an actor, that you're always faced with your younger self. Yeah, and you yeah. see how much you've aged, and it's always, oh, well, no, you look, you it's always really disturbing. <laughs> you look great. That's a, that's a good thing about it. Um, now, I loved your BAFTA nominated short film Standby. Yeah. Which is very much. It was nice for us Bill fans to yeah. see you back behind the wheel of a police car. Well, Tell really, us how that happened. Oh, it's really interesting how that came around. I got a phone call from my agent what, two or three years ago. He said, there's a young film student at film school who wants you to appear in her short film uh, as part of her course. And I, I, I never say no to anything. I mean, right. you know, if I'd have read it and thought, well, actually, I prefer not to do it, then I would have said. But yeah. I'm open to anything. And, you know, especially film school students, because you never know where they're going to be in 10 years' time. Indeed. Or five years' time. So I said, well, some of the script, I read it, and it was like, you know, the original script was about 15 minutes long. And I just loved it. I just thought it was a really clever idea in a way in which it chronicled the life of 
again, it was police officers, two police officers over a 12-month period, and it it had so much depth and layers, and it was about thwarted ambition, and it, there was a whole backstory to my character that you never got to see, but fitted in perfectly with what you did see. Yeah. And, and I just thought, and then I, I arranged to meet Charlotte Regan, and I mean, this really, really talented young director, and she explained how she wanted to shoot it, and I said, yeah, great, and we did it. It was a couple of days, a really enjoyable shoot, and I just sensed it was going to be something special. Yeah. Every other week she kept emailing me, contacting me, saying, oh, I've been accepted for another festival, and this festival, and that festival, and she was flying all around the world. I mean, if you consider the number of short films that are made, yeah that never get anywhere near that sort of traction. Mm. And it's something you probably know about. Yeah. And the next thing I know, we're being nominated for a BAFTA in the short film category. And there I was, with, you know, mixing with the Hollywood royalty yeah. for a night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it was really touching when your partner in the, in the storyline, yeah. she's no longer your partner and you've got someone else sat in the car. Yeah. And it, it well, gets you. Uh, well, it's, you know, it's, it's about her sort of young and ambitious, and me being a bit stuck in a position. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. It was. It was. It was a really sensitive, layered little piece of writing, and Charlotte wrote that herself. And she's, I think, she's as talented a writer as she is a director. And uh, actually, I've, I've done a couple of other short films with her since. So, oh, nice. Yeah. And Alexa Morden was your co-star. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what are the common things younger actors ask you for do they ask you for advice or any any tips and do you feel in this day and age of technology is it easier or harder to carve yourself a career starting out as an actor i think it's always been really difficult two, two things have stuck with me actors said to me when i was very young they said the first thing is that a successful actor is someone who's still an actor uh, mm. and that's that's so true and the, the other thing was if you have a good year don't change your lifestyle, just treat yourself to something. Don't change your lifestyle. Well, of course, you know, having worked in television for many, many years, I, I, I sort of had a few good years. So, uh, well, yeah. so, so, so my, life, my lifestyle did change a bit. <laughs> but, but no, I, I, what would I say? I'd say, I mean, more often you get people that want to become actors, teenagers and young kids, and say, I want to be an actor, what, what should I do? And what do I, well, firstly, you've got to, You've got to love doing it. You've got to mm. love doing drama. You've got to be part of a drama group or do extracurricular drama at school or whatever. You've got, you've got to love it and you've got to be resilient and you've got to be tough and you've got to be thick-skinned and you've got resilience is what, mm. what you need. And, and natural ability is great, but hard work helps as well. Mm. You know, you've, you've got to have a good attitude and, and take any opportunity that you're given. And you never know what's around the corner. I mean, you know, the, the, you know, I've had, I've had many spells over forty odd year, over forty years. I've been doing it where, I've, you know, I've not I've not worked and it's been quiet. And but through the early years of being very very resilient, I I, I don't get so stressed about it anymore because right. I sort of think, oh well, something will come up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my kids are getting older. It's not life's a bit easier, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But there is. An eternal youth about you. I mean, genuinely, like, sitting here now, I could see the cheeky chappy who I bet uh, fell in love with the business all those years yeah, ago. Yeah, well, so. I, I mean, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 
a year and a half off 60. So, no way, that's uh, nuts. You no, know, but I mean, I feel about 90 this morning. <laughs> <laughs> As I explained to you before we started recording, my poor old dog of 14 years has got, sadly, has got dementia, doesn't like to be left alone. And the way she demonstrates this is by howling through the night until I come down and sit with her. And she, we had a particularly bad night last night. So I'm feeling about 98 today. <laughs> Well, let's go back. When when did you first get that bug, and, and can you remember? Yeah, I can. Well, I, I was always, a, as a very small child, I was always a bit of a show-off. I was always doing you know, little shows for my parents, and I was obsessed with... I mean, this is before we had means to record, like mm. video records on it, but I was obsessed with Fred Astaire musicals, and, Fred, and I wanted to be a dancer originally. I wanted to meet Fred Astaire, <laughs> uh, and that sort of introduced me to, to drama at school. If I'm brutally honest, I went to a sort of a, quite a, a failing school, I, I suppose is what you would call it at the time in the 70s. It was a huge secondary modern where it was very, very difficult to attain anything academic, and the only subject that I actually enjoyed was drama. Mm. And to cut a long story short, a director came up to our school looking for a child to appear in a, a CFF film, which is a Children's Film Foundation film, which is Saturday Morning Pictures. Oh, wow. I mean, most people won't know what they're talking about. That's how old I am. But, uh, and I begged the teacher to, he, I wasn't, I was a bit too old for what he was looking for, not quite what he was looking for, but she, 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 you know, she, she told him about me that I was really interested in drama and he met me, Peter Smith who went on to have a fantastic career as a director he, and then I went round to his house with my parents and he said oh, he's not quite right for this film but I know there's a place he should go because he'd love it and it's called the Anisher Theatre in Islington and I lived for going to Anishers twice a week on Mondays and Wednesdays it was quite a avant-garde type training at the time mm. in terms of it was it was all based on improvisation and, and some fantastic actors have come out of there. And I was, I'm very proud to have been, to have been part of the Anna Share Children's yeah. Theatre. And she was an in, inspirational teacher along with her partner, Charles Verrill. And my whole week was about Monday and Wednesday evenings oh. for two and a half hours or however long we had there. She acted as an agent as well and I got a bit of work. And, and then, I was, uh, then she would select those that she felt might have a career into the professional group which was on a Friday night and I ended up and I remember the day I got into the Friday group the Friday group was the group to be in and uh, yeah that was great and I, I was really really happy there it was, it was just it, and that, that's how I, I started that's it <laughs> were you there at the same time as Nula Conwell I was yeah wow yeah Nula yeah, yeah, was there at the same time as me and, yeah Linda and Robson Linda Robson I, mean, I worked with Linda a couple of times did a couple of series with Linda I did a series called Out with her, with Tom Bell. She played my girlfriend in that. Yeah. And I did a, a series for Southern Television called Going Out. Well, she played my girlfriend in that as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen Out, and, and you, I think you're first seeing your you're weeing on your dad's doorstep at night and oh, having, having a chuckle at him when he comes wow. out and says, what are you doing? Yeah. And you just have a laugh. Wow, you, I, I, I can't remember. <laughs> so long ago. I, I mean, I just remember on my first day, I do remember doing a couple of scenes with... Tom Bell, who, who, who the late great Tom, what a fantastic actor, and that was, oh, what a, that was such a, I remember the day, it was such an exciting day, uh, quite highly emotive scenes I had to mm. play, and I was, I was 16, I think. I can only imagine how badly I'd have handled that, 
that's a big deal. You're a schoolboy, essentially. Yeah, but you're, I mean, you're pretty well looked after. And you know, um, Jim Goddard, I think, was the director, and it, it was Jim Goddard. He, yeah. Yeah, he was quite sensitively dealt with the whole situation. Yeah, they, you know, they. Yeah, they were all, they were all lovely. I mean, when you're a child actor, everyone's lovely to you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and then you make that transition. If you're lucky enough to make that transition to adult acting, and a lot of people don't, so, mm. so I, I was very fortunate I was able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then you can't understand why you're not like, you know, why not everyone's sort of like <laughs> fawning over you anymore. <laughs> and Jim went on to direct the build, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. No, that must have yeah. been yeah. surreal for you. Yeah, it know? was. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. Now, I must ask you about Tripper's Day. Yeah, Tripper's Day. The sitcom. Well, with yeah. both the late, great Leonard Rossiter and Sir Bruce Forsyth. So that, that's yeah, I mean, two I, legends. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, Tripper's Day was with Leonard Rossiter. And Leonard Rossiter was a comic genius. I mm. mean, it was a real honour to share scenes with, with Leonard Rossiter. He, was, he had high standards and he expected, mm. high, he expected you to be on it the whole time. And it was, you know, it was a great tragedy that mm. uh, he died not long after recording that, that series. It probably wasn't the best comedy series that he'd ever done. It had been a much more iconic series <laughs> of Trippers Day. And then the second series, uh, Bruce took over. And it, it, was, it was a big departure for Bruce Forsyth because, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd been a game show host and, you know, he, he was a personality. And I think it took him at least a couple of episodes to stop looking at the audience, you know. <laughs> But he was, he was great as well, and you know, um, they, they did a third series, but I got offered something else, so I, I did do the third series. And what was it like acting in front of a live studio audience when you're performing for television? That's quite a Yeah, well, I, I was fortunate. I'd done, a, I'd done a, a couple, quite a few sitcoms up to that point, um, and so I got used to it. But I remember when I first did it, you're never quite sure how to pitch it. You pitch it for the audience, you pitch it for the TV camera, and I sort of took, I did a series called it's Time of My Life. With, Mark Kingston playing my dad. And that was the first sort of comedy I'd done. And I sort of took the lead from the older actors and how they pitched it. Yeah. And I sort of instinctively found myself sort of just following suit really. Yeah. And that, that's how you learn. I mean, that's, I mean, the, you know, you can do as much training as you like. And training is very important, but actually you learn on the job. Yeah. So not long after Tripper's Day, you had a guest role in the bill as an intimidated witness. Now, I have to say, you probably know, you know more about this than I do, because I, it's interesting, because I, I was chatting to somebody um, over dinner a few weeks ago, and I was telling him about, I've, I've sometimes remembered jobs I've done that I'd completely forgotten about. This isn't one of them, because obviously <laughs> I do remember doing a guest spot on the bill, but in terms of the character or... The script, I have, I can't remember it. What I do remember is that there was a really good atmosphere on set, mm. and that all the regulars seemed really happy, and it was, it, and I, I, I remember thinking, oh, this might be quite a nice show to work on. Yeah. You know, little did I know that, oh, so what was it, a couple of years later? I absolutely, don't know. absolutely uh, I was, right. I was, uh, do you I remember John Solhouse? Well, was, yeah, he, he was one of the sort of heavyweights yeah, in the series the at the time. Yeah. yeah, you have two scenes in this episode, and do you're I? both with John Solhouse. Is it? Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Yeah, well, can, well, there you are. We'll have to, I'll have to my, dig my, it out. My tired you. old brain is frazzled. <laughs> I can't remember any of it. I, I, I must have a terrible memory. I mean, I know some actors are great and they remember everything. I'm, I'm, once it's done, it's you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's gone. Well, but, I suppose uh, that's that's the way you've got to deal with it. To, to I mean, but all the amount of I just I don't know what's about dealing with it. It's just I've got a rubbish memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do you remember how did you find out? 
how were you approached to play Dave Quinnan? Take us back. Oh, it's, it's quite a little interesting story, this, because um, I remember I got a phone call from my agent saying that they wanted me to audition for an episode of The Bill. It was on a Thursday afternoon. I said, well, I've only done one of those about 18 months ago. She said, no, no, no it's, it's a guest spot on one episode. I said, okay. So I went, I went up to meet them, and these were the days when a producer would sit in in all the cast and it's changed a bit since then now, everything's on tape now and, right. and you sometimes yourself take it home and send it off um, those days you met the, I met uh, Andrew Grosvenor who was the uh, casting director at the time Michael Simpson was the producer and uh, I can't remember the name of it it was a young director who was directing this particular episode he was, he was there as well I mean this is over 30 years ago mm. and as I walked in Michael Simpson said to the director, oh, it's Andy Paul, he's a good actor, this guy, he's a good actor. Because I did a voiceover for him for something in the, for the, at the BBC, like, two years earlier. A voiceover, I wasn't even appearing in it, I was just doing a... It was all about these lorry drivers that they used to communicate with each other via these radios. Okay. And I had, I think, what were they called CB radios? I can't remember what they were called. Anyway, so I was just a voiceover in one of these... And he sort of said to Angela Grover, he's a good actor, good actor. And then the director started to explain to me the role. It was one episode as a special police officer. Uh, and, and I don't know where this came from. I really don't know where this came from. I was just a couple of months away from my wife and I expecting our first child. And I just was emboldened by, by Michael's sort of praise. And I just went, any chance of a regular in this? <laughs> and, and Michael just looked at Angela and said, What about Andy for Dave Quinnan? And then she went, Yes, it's not a bad idea. I hadn't read anything yet. And, and then uh, Michael said to me, Can you hang around for about, what, 45 minutes? Because Pat Sands is the other producer. You, you can meet her. Like, I'm going to say, actually, no, I've got to rush home. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, of course. So I met Pat, and then I got a phone call that evening to say, could I go back on the Friday to meet Julian Ames, who, who directed my first episode. Sadly, all these people have since passed on. But, um, and then that evening, I, I got offered it, and I started on the Monday. And what I subsequently learned was that I wasn't up for the original auditions for Dave Quinn for some reason, but they auditioned quite a few people and they screen tested a few and they, none of them were quite right. Mm. So it was just a bit of pure luck. Wow. Uh, and, and it just, a bit of barefaced cheek. I have tried that since and got short shrift. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, wow. that's how I got, and uh, it was originally a three month contract and uh, 12 years. I was there, so. Amazing, yeah. fantastic. And 12. Enormously happy years, you know. Yeah. I, 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 by and large, I loved every minute of it. Yeah. yeah. And were you aware? Because initially, I think some of your early scripts were had initially been intended for Nick Reddy, who played Pete Ramsey. Yeah. Well, they, they, I was sort of they, they 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 sort of were looking to me to sort of take over that bad boy role. Yeah. But the the thing is, what happens in a show like the film is that you've got a whole team of you've got several producers, you've got the executive producer, two other producers at that time, you've got script editors, you've got a team of writers, you've got 
the only through line of continuity is you, the actor. Yeah. Because they'll each see your character at one way, or, you know, it's slightly different. There'll be variations in how they see the character. Mm. In spite of the fact they will have meetings, so like, this is what this character's about. This is and then once you sort of, whatever you bring to the screen, it, a character evolves. Mm. And, and I think that what started to happen with Quinnin is that that hard edge sort of got got sort of whittled away and he became more of a sort of a, a, you know, a bit of a joker but quite a sensitive sort of guy and I think yeah. I think that like it or lump it a lot of yourself does come through yeah. and, and, and that's the same even when you're playing I mean I, I had a, a period of a couple of years ago where I just played one psychopath after another <laughs> and, but even playing psychopaths there was a little bit of me in there <laughs> early on in the sort of the Barbie Road era that you worked on, yeah. the main storyline you had, that they pitted you against Chris Humphreys. That's right. Oh, I've forgotten all about that. Because we worked together at a previous station. Absolutely right, yeah. And I, I, did I have something on him? Yeah, yeah. You had the fact that he had slept with the superintendent's wife. Oh, right. <laughs> right. I, I, God, it's all flooding back now. Chris yeah. is now in Canada as a best-selling author. I heard that he was a writer now, yeah. And well, then, well, well. Around that time, Mark Powley's character got blown up and Barbie Road got transformed yeah. into America. What are your memories of that transition from going from one base? And did that affect your commute and your, your, your routine? What yeah, happened? oh yeah. Um, well, I mean, they, they stockpiled episodes to, 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 and they closed down production for a number of weeks. But, but as I said, they stockpiled episodes to cover that time. And I had a fairly easy-ish commute from, I at the time I was living in Crouch End to sort of West London where Barley Road was and then I and then they moved it to Merton and the, the journey from Crouch End to Merton was a, was a nightmare and then when I moved out of Crouch End it didn't get any easier <laughs> <laughs> we had nicer dressing rooms I remember that all right okay <laughs> and then the ending was sort of more purpose-built at the time yeah. yeah who did you show your dressing room with when you first went when to I Merton first, I think it was Hugh oh lovely yeah Hugh Higginson yeah you two have such a brilliant chemistry. How rare is that for that to happen with a fellow cast member where you two just, it was like you were made for each other to act together. I mean, it's, it's genuinely brilliant chemistry you both have. I don't, I mean, to, to be honest, I think when people have said something like that in the past, I think as an actor, you're not always, you're, you're aware that you enjoy working with someone, but you're not fully aware that there might be chemistry. You know? Right. It's, it's like, I suppose there's just some actors Complement each other more than others. I don't. I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, one thing. I mean, the thing about. I mean, my, my wife's a psychotherapist, right? Oh, and, really? and oh, she wow. she comes to see me in a show, a play, and when you're on stage, and you just are in total, you dovetail perfectly with the other actors, mm. and, and and you're you're almost unaware of where you know it's just going so well that she sees it my wife sees it it's, it's almost like an erotic exchange but, but not sexually erotic just it's such a, a, a personal contact yeah and it's true it's like when you're working with other actors particularly on stage and it's going well and you're just you're well rehearsed, you absolutely you can throw curveballs at each other, and you know it's going to 
Mm. It, that's thrilling. That yeah. is very thrilling. And I suppose with Hugh, we worked well together mm. on, on, that, on that score. Well, it's interesting because another double act which took off in a big way was, yeah. was you and Graham. Graham. Yeah, <laughs> well, we, yeah and, and, and same with Graham. I mean, we've, we've, we've got quite different approaches to how we do the job, but, but it worked, you know. Mm. And um, I did my very first panto with Graham, which uh, he showed me the ropes because I'd never done a panto before. Uh, I remember getting very, very, very exhausted doing panto. Right. <laughs> we had a little slot and old house party. For years. I loved doing that show because. Um, the studio was right next door, the grandstand studio. So I would, you know, we'd be, we'd do a bit of rehearsal and have the rest of the day off, and I'd be until we performed live in the evenings, and I'd go and watch the football in the grandstand studio. It was great. Wow, <laughs> wow that was that was scary live television, well, yeah. and that show at the time was massive. Yeah. It was hugely popular. It was one of the most popular shows that the BBC had at the time. I just remember standing behind that door and the bell goes and we're waiting for Noel to open the door and I was, it was always very, very nerve-wracking. Yeah. Very nerve-wracking. And so how about the fame side? Because by this point you've become a very recognisable face. What is that like when your life changes, your, your personal life getting recognised and what's that transition like and how do you deal with it? Well, um, it, it has its benefits and, mm. and you know and, and there are things about it that are that can be frustrating but by and large I mean I I, 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 I was I've never I was never one that sort of embraced the sort of celebrity lifestyle you know I had to be dragged out to go to a function or anything mm. like that got refuse in my family and yeah. uh, you know I I've most people are really lovely, you know, when they meet you, they're lovely, so it, it, I don't ever think it was a problem. I mean, a couple of times on holiday, I remember being a bit frustrated about it, but, mm. and, I mean, and that was at a time when there were no sophisticated cameras on phones that you could be no. videoed, you know, yeah. everything. You, I remember once, very, we very rarely stayed in hotels, we tend to stay somewhere more private, but one year we went away with, with my two eldest before my third son was born, and we stayed in a hotel, and they were really misbehaving. I said, right, that's it. We're, go we're going up to the room now. Come out the swimming pool. That's it. I've told, I've warned you once. And suddenly I noticed two cine cameras were oh, from no. other guests hotel were videoing me, telling off my kids. And I suddenly realized, oh, this is going to be awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Now around that time, you had an incredible episode where the second half of the episode after the ad break is all filmed in one take and you are in every single scene it's following Quinnan all the way around the station dealing with a family the son is in a cell the mum is panicking the dad is panicking and we follow you around and you are never off the screen for an entire half of an episode in one take yeah that must have been Exhilarating, nerve-wracking, amazing. I always, I always, I mean, it is nerve-wracking doing stuff like that. But I always sort of found it really exciting to be yeah. honest. Uh, I'm a very, you know, like a lot of actors, I get terribly nervous, particularly if I'm doing theatre. I get, yeah. I mean, not so much television, but when you're doing theatre, I get, I'm, I'm a very nervous actor. But with something, with something like that, it was exciting. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. I enjoyed the responsibility. Yeah. yeah. 
And what, what were the crew like? Take us back to the day in life making the bill, the technicians. And the... You build up great relationships with the crew because you're working together day in, day out. And the thing is, like any well-run organisation, everyone is at the top of their game. In this business, you've got to bring your A game every day, you know. Yeah. The crew were fantastic, fantastic crew. Mm. You know, And they were so used to the way the show worked. And yeah, it was, it was a joy to work with such brilliant professionals every day. Mm. And I've seen a lovely photo on Twitter. I think it was Hugh who shared it, and it's the cast all in football outfits. And did you like play Coronation Street or something like that? It was. Oh, uh, we did a number of uh, a number of charity football yeah, matches. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, I'm a bit. I love my football. I yeah. mean, I'm a very enthusiastic player. Not such a very good, not a great player, but yeah. <laughs> Mind you, I don't play so much these days. Uh, the knees. Right. But, but no, no, I like. Yeah, we did, and we did a lot of cricket, charity cricket. And those are the things I, I really enjoy because I love me, I love my sport. Right. Yeah. I really love my sport. Yeah. And who are your co-stars that you hung out with as friends? Who became your best? The, the two that I see most of now are Trudy Goodwin. Yeah. Because Trudy, uh, husband Kit, and my wife were friends, and Lolita Chakrabarti. Oh yeah. Uh, and her husband Adrian. So the six of us, we we meet up at least twice a year oh, and keep, up. And, you know, I keep, I keep in contact with a few others via Twitter and just occasionally I'll, I'll have a phone call and a, yeah. But, yeah but mainly Lolita uh, and Trudy Trudy's yeah. a phenomenal actor ah, she's just she's a phenomenal human being yeah <laughs> she's yeah. lovely and, and this is a special moment for the podcast because I have finally earned kudos from my dad because when I told my dad I just interviewed Trudy Goodwin and I'd had Andrew McIntosh and Larry Dan on the show. My dad said, yeah, tell me when you've done Quinn and then I'll listen. <laughs> you were his favourite. And still Well, I have remain. to say, Oliver, it's taken you a long time <laughs> to get around to it. <laughs> yeah, it has, it has. <laughs> I mean, you're, you are, you do know it, you're a bit of a legend amongst Bill Carr, ex-Bill oh, Carr. Really? <laughs> oh, anyway, oh. Your knowledge of the show and the fact, <laughs> the fact that you, you run these podcasts, yeah. Oh, bless you. Bless I was you. wondering why it took you so long to get around to interviewing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, will your dad will be pleased? Oh, he'll be delighted. He'll, he'll tune in now. He's never listened to one. He's been waiting for you. But I remember 1997, going to school. Yeah. Everyone in the playground, everyone in class. It was the morning after Quinnan had been stabbed. Ah, yeah. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone. Everyone had watched it. It was. The talk of the playground. I mean, for, for me, as a, as a fan growing up, in, that's, this is my era of the show as, a, as, as getting into TV, getting into drama, getting into the bill. And, and for me, that's a very special memory that everyone was talking about. Everyone was talking, did you see? You saw his scream on the monitor. And Eric's looking at the monitor and it goes nuts. And everyone's like, well, is he going to die? Is he, you know, that must have been, that was, from a fan perspective, that was a very special moment, you know? Yeah, I mean, it sort of coincided when, when they were starting to move towards... Because up, up until that point, always the most interesting parts to play on the bill were the guest artists, because yeah. they were the ones with the story. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, we were doing our police procedure and stuff, and occasionally we'd have a nice thing to do. And, <laughs> but, and, they, and then they started opening it out and going into the personal lives of, of, of the officers. And... That, that that really was was a blessing for me because um, I I got really well served by the writers yeah. and they, they you know they, they they wrote some really good stuff for me and and that sort of um, 
that made my time there even more enjoyable because yeah. I enjoyed doing those storylines. You know, because that, that stabbing led to me being hospitalised where I ended up sort of falling in love with Garfield's fiance or what they yeah, call that's right. yeah. and then I ended up marrying her and then I have an affair with Polly Page <laughs> yeah. and then I have a nervous breakdown and so I was really well really, served by, really by the writers well yeah. yeah yeah and and even when it wasn't your storyline you'd get involved with the Michael Higgs Carolyn Katz oh yes that was line. yeah yeah I forgot about that yeah, yeah. And, and then you were like the it's interesting what they did with Dave because often he'd be like in that case the moral high ground you yeah know, he'd be the, the voice of reason and sense but he was a bit of a naughty boy when it came to women. Yes, but the thing is, he was flawed. Yeah. And, 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 and in real life, people aren't all one, they're not binary. There are a number of components that make us individuals. And we, good people do, can do bad things. I try to make him a real person. Mm. You know, that's, and that's all, as an actor, that's all you can do. Yeah. Shout out to Ben Payton, because he remembers fondly sharing your dressing room yeah, with yeah, you. Ben. And when he and... SJ were just starting to canoodle yeah. and you'd walk into the dressing room and go, all right, I'll leave you guys to it, you know. Um, uh, but I have to say, he's a lovely, he's, he, he was this lovely, fresh-faced young actor at the time. Now he's, well, he's, he's got to be, be in his 40s now. He's, he was 42 yesterday was when he? we recorded this. Oh, because yeah. it was his birthday, of course it was. Yeah, yeah. I saw on Twitter. He's a lovely man. What a yeah. lovely man. Yeah, well, he remembers... He was a lovely boy. Yeah. <laughs> he remembers being with you when he found out he got axed, he yeah. remembers being on location yeah. and, and saying, well, Paul wants to see me. And he said, the look on your face just told him everything. And, <laughs> and he, you, you were compassionate at, at, at the same time as... Well, I think that, that, was, that, was, that was a very um, weird day because I was already leaving. I, I'd already... I, I gave them a year's notice and I was just right. in the last few weeks of my, of my last year there. And then a new executive producer took over and obviously wanted to make his mark on the show you yeah. know, he wanted to change change things up a bit and there was you know as is the case when these things happen there's a cast call mm. and on that day people were being summoned to to his office and it just it was the same day that the twin towers got hit in new york yeah. it was it was just the most it was a strange old day we actually it was one of the rare occasions i remember we were filming in property somewhere and we actually stopped filming mm. to watch the news coverage. Mm. Oh, yeah. weird day, weird yeah. day. So you'd already made your decision and what was your reasoning behind that? Well, because it was about, I really wanted to do other work, mm. but also it was about sort of work-life balance because I had young children at the time and even though I was working in London and coming home every night, I barely saw them, mm. and, and like the, the demands outside of going to work as well, like you know charity cricket match or you know it, it, which well, they would all come with and stuff. But mm. I found that you know my wife and kids were having uh, was, they had their life, and I was sort of my life was going in the car or in the studios, and yeah. and I just wanted to have a bit more of their childhood, and I just thought well even if I do other work it, it can't possibly be as you know, 12 years I was on the bill yeah. and, 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 and I would say for the last five of those years I was very really busy. busy very busy. so um, I, I was I was a bit tired and I wanted mm. I wanted to try something different and I really wanted to do more theatre and I really wanted to 
try and become a better actor and I thought the only way I could do that was by leaving and at the same time hopefully spend a bit more time with my family. Mm. Um, I immediately went into another series for four years yeah. and that was filming for five, six months of the year in Yorkshire. <laughs> but I saw more of my kids when I was filming wow. there than I did when, when wow. I was in the bill because it was my workload on that show was a lot less than it was on the bill and it was you know you're only ever shooting one episode at a time and it was mm. bigger production slower sl slower pace and you got days off and then uh, you know I, I, as soon as I had a day off I was back in London and, yeah. and, and I, I was much more present in my, in my kids lives and, and and also and then the rest of the year I'd go off do the odd play or do the odd mm. other television and it and it, at that time it was the absolute right decision yeah and and a brave decision. I mean, you got rewarded with wherever heart is, but it, it's, it, it's a gamble, isn't it, for an actor when they because it doesn't work for everyone. If they're in a series for over over a decade, they get typecast. But it didn't seem to happen to you. I suppose it was a brave. Yeah, of course. It was, I suppose it was a brave decision. But at the time, it seemed the right decision. I don't. You know. I mean, I might not have ended up in where the heart is, and I, you know. It, but it, I, I still feel it would have been the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because. Is, there's a big world out there. When you're mm. in something like the Bill, you're like a big fish in a, in a small pond to, to a degree, even though you're sort of a very recognisable face. Mm. But there's a massive industry out there, and it was, it was really difficult acclimatising to auditioning again, yeah. and, and, and you know, and suddenly being a very small fish in a massive ocean mm. that the industry is. Uh, but, you know, I was pleased I did it. I got to do a lot more varied work and um, I, I don't regret it at all. It was it was the right decision at the time. Mm. And they did you, I think they did you proud. Not everyone gets a six-part storyline as their last story. You know, they really, yeah. it was a big deal that you were leaving the show, a massive deal. Yeah, no, it was, I was, yeah, it was great. Mm. <laughs> it was great. I'm eternally grateful for what for what they gave me. Mm. I mean, as I said, I, I got great storylines. I was well respected and uh, and valued. And, and whatever you do in your life, whatever job you do, it, it's really nice to be valued. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and they certainly valued me. And, oh, I, yeah. and, I, and I, I really appreciate that. But uh, it was a two-way thing. I mean, I was very committed to it while I was, while I was like most actors would be. Yeah. Uh, how about the future? What are the unfulfilled ambitions? What are the roles you'd love to get your teeth into that haven't yet? Graced your resume. <laughs> oh, if you'd have asked me that question when I was a lot younger, there probably would have been a whole heap of roles. Mm. I mean, look, these days I, I just want to continue working, and I, you know, I'm not particularly fussy about what I do. And you know, I got offered a earlier in the year did a, a, something for Sky Arts, a short film for Sky Arts, and then so one, one minute you're being offered something like that and the next minute you're going up for a couple of scenes in something else or, yeah 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 so so i still get offered stuff but still, obviously i still have to interview i mean i find that nuts if it was me i'd just cast you straight away well it's, <laughs> well it's very kind of you to say but yeah. look i mean look i've been really lucky i've been a mm. very I've, I've done a job i've loved for over 40 years and i say to my kids just find a job you love because it's not like working. Mm. Uh, I mean, of course, there are days where you get frustrated. Yeah, I just, I love my, I love my work. And, he, and I've done, I'll be honest with you, I've done some rubbish. 
I have done some right rubbish, but even the rubbish I've done, I've really enjoyed. I mean, you can't all be in Sally Wainwright or Stefan Goloszewski series or Russell T Davis series. You know, you, yeah. I suppose I'd I would I'd love to work with someone like Stefan Goloszewski, mm. who, who's done Mum, yeah. so Mum, yeah, and he did him and her, and I just think I think he's a genius. So yeah, and Sally Wainwright, I think, is brilliant. Mm. I I love her work, and so yeah. You got Le Miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Most of my stuff got ended up on the cutting room floor, which is a bit of a disappointment. But uh, Mm. but not as not as much of a disappointment as it would have been if I was in my twenties and thirties. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, is you get older, you mellow, you get more philosophical about it, and you know, and and when I'm not working now, whilst I always want to work, Mm. it you don't get quite so stressed about it. Mm. I mean, it's still, it's still rather work, but you don't get quite so stressed about it. You may like... You, you yeah. know, you, Do you, are, uh, you, are you still learning? Are you still learning oh, new Yes, of course. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you what's really interesting is what young talent, mm. you, what you can learn from them. Of course, you, never, you learn on every single job you do. Yeah. Every, everything you do. Everything you do, not just work. Yeah. That's one of the benefits of getting older. Yeah. I won't say you get wiser, because that's uh, I'm not, might not necessarily be true, but you sort of get a little bit, you sort of understand a bit more about the world. Yeah. And the flip side of that is that sometimes it can really depress you, you know. Um, you know, I mean, what's politically going on at the moment is, I mean, I'm, I, I'm very interested in politics, and uh, every time I rant about Brexit, I lose a 20 followers on Twitter. <laughs> but, but it, it is like in, in my lifetime it's the craziest oh, period well you've of... got the Tory party moving further to the right you've got the Labour party moving further to the left and you've got this this huge vacuum that needs to be filled by by sensible practical politics yeah because that, that, that's, that's what I think that's what the majority of people want yeah you know, I mean, the things I could say about some of the, some of the po- people who politics these days that I'd, I'd end up in the court, I'd end up in court over. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'll, I'll refrain. Yeah, nice juicy political drama. That would you'd show your fire. I mean, I haven't really said this. I mean, I, I genuinely, you are a phenomenal actor. I admire your work enormously. You're a that's talented it, man. It's very kind of you to say. I, I think you're the only person that's ever described me as a phenomenal actor, but I'll take it. <laughs> I, I, shall, I shall continue it. And all the people listening to this will be absolutely thrilled that you've done this and will be so grateful. And something we ask them to do is to support a, a charity of the interviewee's choice. So is there a charity that is particularly close to you? Oh, you'd like okay. to nominate? Uh, well, like British Heart Foundation. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'll we'll pop a link on when this goes live. Also, I... I was very fortunate a number of years ago to get a verified Twitter account, okay? Yeah. And I've got to have the lowest number of followers <laughs> with a blue tick. It's an embarrassment. <laughs> so if anyone is listening and they don't follow me, yeah. please do. <laughs> until I make some sort of offensive political tweet which you'll stop following me, but <laughs> or I bore you silly about tweets about cricket and football. But... Well, Every now and then, it's not about the number of followers, it's about being a legend. And that's what you are. So the blue tick is well deserved. And, and what is your message to fans, of you, fans of Dave Quinn, and fans of the Bill, 
was your message to people? Oh, I just thank them for the support over the years. And, you know, and it, look, it's been a massive part of my life. And it's nice to know that there are still people out there that appreciate the work that we did. And I thank, I thank them wholeheartedly for that. Andy Paul, legend. Thank you ever so much. That's my pleasure. Brilliant. My pleasure. I am still beaming like a Cheshire cat. I am so grateful to the mighty, the phenomenal Andrew Paul. The British Heart Foundation's vision is a world free from the fear of heart and circulatory diseases. They fund research to keep hearts beating and blood flowing. You can find out more and make a donation at bhf.org.uk. I said I'd remember you, Quinnan. This is Chief Superintendent Richard Turnham, a.k.a. Chris Humphreys, and you have been listening to The Bill Podcast, brought to you in association with Misty Moon Events. With special thanks to my old sparring partner, Andrew Paul, produced and presented by Oliver Crocker, co-produced by Paul Dunn and Alex Mockler, executive produced by Joseph Beaver, Daniel Christopher, Luke Hegarty, Benjamin Hughes, Robert Jennings, Edward Kellett, Stuart and Jen Morris, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington and Sarah Went. Out now in the UK is my new fantasy novel, Smoke in the Glass, the first in an epic trilogy that The Guardian has called an intricate, fast-paced story and impressive world-building. Smoke in the Glass is available on Amazon and from all good bookstores. You can also find out more on my website, cchumphreys.com. 